to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I both love training. When the two of us get together, it's a non-stop conversation. And that's what we want to share with you in these podcasts. Our love of horses, our love of training, and our fascination with learning theory and the science behind good training. So, Dominique, this is podcast number eight, which is pretty astounding. I know, I know. I mean, we were celebrating when we got the first four recorded, and now we've we've doubled that number. So, uh, last time we ended by saying I wanted to find out a little bit more about what you are currently doing with your horses now that you're a little more settled into your your new situation with them and finally it's starting to get warm we've had such a cold winter so what have you been doing with your horses well of course we're preparing for spring meaning we are learning to graze on cue woody already knows this so for him it'll be just a refresher because people always wonder should you or shouldn't you should you or shouldn't you let your horse graze on the way to the paddock for me the answer has been I can let them graze but on cue Woody's pretty good at it so he will graze on cue he will show me where he wants to graze and I always take that into account but we will do it on cue Bonanza and Pico is still something that they haven't learned yet. So we're learning it this year with them. When you say you have a horse that grazes on cue, what does that look like? When we walk, I spot some grass that I want him to go graze on. We will go on the grass and then I will say in French, because Woody's cues are most of them in French, I will say brut, which means graze. And he just lowers his head and grazes. You showed me how to do this because The problem with grass, of course, is that the minute they eat the grass, it's self-reinforcing. So you have to make sure that they're not going to reinforce themselves at the wrong time. So that's the challenge. And that they will come away from the grass when you ask. That for me was, it's easier because they know that they can grass again. But they didn't Um, know that the first time around. So there is a teaching That's process. That's true. There is a teaching process. I, well, first of all, I don't teach this outside. I start inside with just hay in a bucket. And so the, the distraction is not the same. I mean, they have hay many times a day, every day of the year, whereas the grass right now has a very, very strong attraction. So if we look at broader principle, when we start peeling this back and peeling this back, it sounds very nice. You've got a horse that grazes on cue. You walk over to the grass. You say graze or grass or whatever the cue is. And the horse puts his head down to eat. And somebody listening to that would say, well, of course he's going to put his head down to eat. There's grass down there. What would you expect? But he won't put his head down until we can be over the grass. And he will not put his head down until I say brut. So he'll wait. So that's a big piece He'll of wait. It. He'll wait for the cue. The, the, I think in this case, and the leash, the length of the leash is very important. Because if, if the leash allows him to graze right away the first time you teach this, 
then you will have a very confusing, confused horse. So if, if the leash, if, if he doesn't, if he cannot access the, the grass because the leash is short enough, then you can control the process better. And you didn't start with the hardest part no, of the lesson. No, because spring, spring grass is, is a very, very strong distraction. Yeah. Yes, it is. So yeah. the, the lesson or the principle is train where you can, not where you can't. And so if, if you've got a horse who is eager for spring grass, who has a history of pulling a handler to grass, has a history of pulling in general, which your horses do not. But Well, Pico had. Pico Pico pulled. So yeah, peeling layers. I mean, right. So let's just imagine that that you've added a fourth horse to your herd. And you have a horse now who is pulling the grass, has a history of having pulled the grass, sort of like the, the goats that I've been playing with came with a very strong history of dragging people on the lead, that the place to introduce the lead, the place to introduce this lesson is not outside where you've got this carpet of irresistible grass calling to them. The place to begin this lesson is in a paddock, in a in a stall, in the barn aisle, in the arena, where you can control the intensity of the distraction. So it's not fresh spring grass, it's a handful of hay. That's part of setting your animal up for success and yourself. So that's very much what we're doing, for example, in the foundation lessons when we use the mats and we get horses who become super, super eager to go to mats. That's one of the values of the mat because that could equally be a horse who is so eager to get to turnout that it's difficult to manage him. It could even be dangerous to manage him. And so you begin with something like the mat where you're controlling, you're not controlling the animal, you're controlling the intensity of the distraction you're controlling and managing the environment, which is what you were describing in terms of not just what does the behavior look like now, but how did you form it in the beginning? So that at this time of year, there are a lot of people who have to hand graze because their horses haven't been out on grass yet. And you don't want them to get a lot of grass really fast. So you're hand grazing for five minutes and then for a couple more minutes and then the next day it's 10 minutes and then 15 minutes until you get up to a level where you can say, okay, now I can turn you out on the grass. We're not going to destroy the field because it's so wet. I wouldn't want you out on the field yet anyway. So there are lots of reasons why you might not be turning a horse out yet onto spring grass and you're hand grazing. And it's a great opportunity to do a lot of really good training in terms of teaching emotional control, building a great relationship. When you help a horse find the very best grass, it's a great relationship builder, which you know from taking Woody out. Yeah, and I think when you do that, the hand grazing, um, you should think about where you're going to go before you take the horse out so that, again, you set yourself up for success. If there are like six irresistible patches of grass on the way in and the way out, you may not be setting yourself up for success. Whereas if you have this one patch that is not too far, 
it'll be easier to make sure that there are less errors along the way. Yes, and what you're really doing is you're turning the grass into a reinforcer. Right. So I'm, I'm allowing the horse, I'm asking the horse to walk with me, and when I get some really nice leading, I can stop, I can reinforce him, click treat, go into grown-ups are talking, so I'm standing next to my horse, there's slack in the lead, he's standing politely next to me, I click, I treat, and I offer him the grass, and he can put his head down, graze for a few bites, then I can ask him to bring his head up, and off we go. And what we're doing is we're turning the grass that's under his feet from a distraction, from an, uh, something that, that's going to be annoying, where I'm having to correct him because he's trying to get to the grass, and it's a fight. No, I'm transforming the grass into a really powerful and useful reinforcer. And the horses lose their anxiety for the grass because they know that they're going to be allowed to graze. It's, it's not something that they're going to be totally denied. And so right. they, they just relax around it. Right. One of my favorite stories in the spring, when we moved to the new barn and it was spring turnout time and we hadn't had the horses on the field yet, because they were still a little too wet. I took Sindri down to the bottom of the hill and turned him loose. And he cantered off in this beautiful balanced canter. And he cantered around in a circle and came back and stood by my side. And I said to him, but there's all this beautiful grass, go eat. And he stayed right by my side <laughs> and basically said, I'd rather play with you. And I just found that astounding that with just the huge temptation of spring grass, mm. that he really did prefer to stay and play with me. Very reinforcing for the human. <laughs> Very reinforcing for the human, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the things that brought my training to another level was when I heard you talk about loopy training. Making sure that every loop is clean, that you have a very small unit of clean behaviors before adding on to it. I don't know if you want to explain that a little bit because it made a big difference for me. It cleaned up so many things it, and it made everything go so much faster. More progress, less errors. So I think it's very, very important principle to understand. Well, the, the loopy training is a central teaching strategy to all of my work. And it, it very much relates to that principle that I just used of go to a place in the training where you can get a yes answer and train where you can, not where you can't. So we're looking for what is it that I know I can ask my horse to do and I'll get a consistent yes answer response. I'll get something that I can click and reinforce. Very often when you're starting with a new horse that has had a lot of not good handling. You get a horse that is, it's hard to find something there that you like. You have a horse that is fussy and he's pushing into you and he's fretting and he's trying to mug your pockets and he's nudging you and he's biting at you or he's, you know, all these, these things that you would just, that you, that you don't want. And what you want to find is this little kernel this little bit of behavior where you can ask for it, get it, click, reinforce, 
and it will begin to occur again. So in the loopy training, the basic premise is that behavior leads to click leads to reinforcement. If you were taking notes in, on this podcast and you wrote in your, your notebook, behavior leads to click leads in for, to reinforcement. And that's, that's a you know very basic statement. But when you see it on the page like that, what our brain tends to do is just encapsulate it. It makes it an isolated unit. And it's not an isolated unit because if we've reinforced something, then that means that it, we've made it more likely to occur again. We've strengthened that behavior in some way. So we've increased the probability that we're going to see it again. And so behavior is going to lead to click, lead to reinforcement, will lead to more behavior, which is going to lead to click, lead to reinforcement, which is going to lead to more of the behavior. So you get a loop. And what we're looking for is a clean loop of behavior. And a clean loop is all the behaviors that you ask for are performed promptly and there are no unwanted behaviors creeping into the loop. And both sides of the click have to be clean for a loop to be clean. So it's no good if your horse is touching a target really, really well, if he's grabbing at the food when you offer him his treat. So if you're counting fingers after you've given him his treat, the loop is not clean. So both sides of the, of the loop have to be clean. Yeah, because everything that comes before the click will be reinforced. So if the way he takes the food is, is not the way you want it, you are reinforcing it. Basically, you're just accumulating errors. You're accumulating unwanted behavior that you're going to be carrying forward into your training. So better to clean and tidy it up while it's still in very small units and that rather than carry it forward. And I see this happen with people who, who've been clicker training for a bit. And you'll see that sometimes that they've got some really fun behaviors, but their horse is mugging their pockets or it, grabbing at the food in some way. That the, the whole picture is not one of emotional self-control. It, it's not one that has a settled quality to it. Both sides of the click need to be clean. And the mantra is, when a loop is clean, you get to move on. And not only do you get to move on, but you should move on. So it's a great way of monitoring when to change the criteria. That often when people are new to clicker training, what will happen is they'll do one of two things. They'll stay too long. They'll think, oh, I have to get this perfect. And so they'll, they'll stay too long. So they'll ask for oh, a horse to back up, and they'll get one step, two steps, three steps, maybe click treat. And so the behavior is one step, two step, three steps, click treat. They keep staying with that unit. And then there's a point where they ask for a fourth step. And the horse is saying, oh, no, 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 no. I know how to count. And, and you should have you should have clicked me after the third step. So they built a glass ceiling. And the other thing that people will do is they'll change the criteria too fast. So they end up with a behavior that's, that's very fragile and it falls apart easily when it's stressed a little bit. So right. you said that the loopy training really helped you to clean things up. So can you give an example of that? Oh, it's everywhere. Anytime you're struggling with anything, it's because the, 
the loop is not clean. The unit is not clear to the horse. And I find loopy training is, is a refinement of the principle that we shouldn't lump, that we should split things in smaller slices, but it informs that principle with even more clarity because it's not just that it should be a small step, it should be a clean small step. And once it's really clean, let's say you, you have a horse that won't pick up his foot for you. You can slice that down really, really small until you have that clean loop. Right. So the very first thing that you might go for rather than picking up the foot is, can I just stroke my hand down your shoulder? Yes, click and treat. That may be that kernel out of which you grow picking up the feet, that sometimes you have to go way back, way back in the layers to find that one layer, that one that one piece that where you can ask for it and get it consistently. If you asked a horse who'd had a lot of really bad experience with a farrier, with having his feet picked up, or who had foot issues, whatever the reason is, and you ran your hand down and gave a fairly normal pick up your foot cue, you might find that you got no response. You might even get the horse walking away or pinning his ears at you, swishing his tail. You might you get lots of behaviors that are saying, oh, don't don't come here. And so what is the what is the the behavior that you can get that allows you to get that consistent yes answer? And that behavior might well be, can I just run my hand along your shoulder? Yes, click treat. And when I can do that a couple of times, can I run my hand down your shoulder and feel you shift your balance ever so slightly? Yes, click treat. And once you have that, you're up and running. That's the beauty of it. Whereas, right, if you had gone all the way down right away, nothing would have happened. Where in this case, you go down the shoulder and then perhaps you go down the knee and you're already progressing. Right, right. So you're just building it in steps that the animal can manage. I'll, I'll share with you, a, it's actually kind of fun. I haven't, I haven't shared any goat stories recently, so I, I have to share a goat story. So we have the, the two does and the triplets and the twins, and they're a little over a month old now. So they're taking grain pretty readily, very greedy little things. And so I've started introducing the idea of they get access to the bowl of grain when they're on one of their pedestals. And that I began this morning, and it was just a hoot to see how quickly a couple of them figured out that if they got up on one of the pedestals, that they would have access to grain. And there's a great example of building loops and building clean loops so that I have these babies that my, what I'm hoping that I'll get is I'll have five little pedestals around and I'll have one little baby goat on each one patiently waiting for his grain. So I'm at the, the stage of it's a very small loop and with a lot of growing to go. So I'll have to keep you posted on this project and see how far I get before they go back for, for summer pasture. So that was my fun project. Absolutely. Keep, keep us posted on that one. So rather than start up a new subject, let's just pause here because ending with goats is always a good thing. And we'll pick up again next time 
with some more stories about our horses and our goats and various other animals. So I'll talk with you again very soon. Talk to you soon. As many of you know, last week we held our first webinar. It was really fun. And in the lead up to the webinar, we said we were going to talk about what to do with the horse who drags you to grass. Well, the webinar was almost two and a half hours long. We covered a lot of topics. Most of them were under the broad umbrella of choice. So we talked about relationship building and rope handling. Dominique even raced off to get a lead rope so she could illustrate a point about the way a lead functions as a tactile target. It was a lot of fun. And we covered a wide range of topics, but we never got to the question of what to do about the horse who drags you to grass. So to make up for it, as you've just heard, we began today's podcast by talking about teaching good hand grazing manners. And to further make up for not including this question in the webinar, we've posted an article in the members section with some step-by-step -step instructions on how to teach polite manners around grass. If you have already subscribed to the Equiosity website, you can use your members login to access the article. If you haven't yet subscribed, go to equiosity.com. Scroll down to the members section and just fill in the subscription form. All we need is your name and email, and then we'll email you the login to the members library. If you are one of the many people who are struggling with the siren's call of spring grass, you'll want to get this article. And if you missed the webinar and are wishing you could have attended, our plan at the moment is to hold a webinar about once a month. Don't hold us to that, but that's our intent at the moment. We'll be announcing the date for our second webinar soon. You can check the equiosity.com website for updates. And in the meantime, we'll be getting our next podcast ready. So until next time, have fun with your horses.